Our speaker today um, stepped out in faith and is going to plant a church. And so I'm excited to have him here to share his heart. So at One Community, uh, when we welcome speakers, we also go like buck wild. So anyway, help me introduce the one and only speaker for this morning, Mr. Mark Cox. Give it up. Right. Man, you guys are, you guys sound good out there. I was telling the first service, I, uh, I have a little bit of worship team envy because right now I'm, I'm it. And so, and that's a shame. Uh, so I'm excited to have some of that in the future. Um, but he's right. We just moved uh, about a month and a half ago to Columbus, Ohio to plant a church. Um, any given Sunday in Columbus, 90% of the city basically stays home and says, I don't want it. Um, and uh, there's 2.1 million people there. And uh, it's just a... It's a field ripe for harvest. There's just not much going on. And so we felt that um, seed planted a long time ago. And then God called us in 2012. So we're getting ready to, uh, to really get into some cool stuff as we moved about a month and a half ago. And we're going back. And um, we've already, um, God has given us some pretty cool relational traction with a lot of our neighbors. And, uh, and so we've already met and hung out with them uh, around a, a fire pit or watching the Buckeyes uh, win. Um, almost every game this season, <laughs> except for one. But um, we're excited to be here. I'm so thankful uh, for Pastor Paul uh, bringing me in to be able to share with you guys. Um, it is a huge honor and a blessing to be with you guys. You, you don't know. So uh, like I said, my name is Mark. I'm 31. I've got a, a beautiful family. I think I brought a picture uh, of uh, my wife. That's Christy. I know, right? I lucked out. Okay, so that's my wife, Christy, and I've got a four-year-old, Kipton a two-year-old, Caden, and then a four-month-old, Cohen, who woke up six times last night. So you can pray for my wife because she was a champion and a trooper and got up with them and basically didn't sleep. So nap time is going to be glorious for her today. So, um, but that's our family, and uh, they're kind of on this journey with us. And uh, if you would remember to uh, just continue to pray for us as we get started. Moving uh, to a city where you don't really know many people is kind of tough. It can be tough on kids who have best friends in the other city that you lived in, memories in the house that you lived in, and uh, you definitely go to a church every Sunday morning where all of your friends are there, and there's these teachers that love you, and they send you letters throughout the week, and then you move to the city, and you don't get those, and you're going to churches to visit, and uh, so just pray for us because um, as, as much as it's exciting and it's fun, it comes with its pressures and its tensions as well, um, so Interestingly enough, um, the way I got connected to One Community Church was um, I met your pastor through uh, Clint Aaron. Clint uh, and I grew up together. We met in seventh grade. That's us in college. And you're like, oh, cool, he took a picture at Halloween. That's not a Halloween costume. That's just, that's just what he looked like. I look pretty good. I don't know about him. But um, I got the big old fat hemp necklace going on, you know. And anyway, so I met him in seventh grade. And uh, I was a new kid in school, a new kid in church. And uh, anyone ever been a new kid, by the way? It just stinks. It really stinks. And there's two kinds of new kids. There's a new kid where you show up first day of school and you're a new kid. And then there's like the real like hardcore new kid where you should show up in like February, right? On a Wednesday. And you're just there. And, uh, you know, and um, I moved from Montgomery, Alabama to, uh, yeah, right? Uh, to Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, all right, so we got some cults, and anyway, so uh, we, uh, I was a new kid, and um, it was a bad year to be from Alabama because Forrest Gump had just come out. <laughs> it was terrible. 
still going through some counseling for that. But um, Clint, um, I knew him at school. I knew him at church just a little bit. Um, but it was around ninth grade where he invited me to a Wednesday night service for the youth ministry. And, uh, you know, basically said, you don't have to dress up. It's cooler music. It's, it's pizza. And I'm like, sounds great. And uh, that is where I really connected with church. It's where I started connecting with sermons. And so I'm very thankful for Clint because if he hadn't have done that, there's no telling where I would be. Um, you know, I think of all the different, like we came to Liberty together where I met my wife. Uh, we worked at O'Charlie's together. Um, she was a business major and I was a religion major. And as you probably know, if you go to Liberty, those two never really, uh, you know, business majors, let's be honest, they think religion majors are what? Nerds and, you know, just weird and they dress weird and they smell weird and they, they're just not normal people. Um, and so, um, but I, um, I met Christy at, at O'Charlie's. We worked there and, and, um, and I don't know, I just, I'm trying to sit here and think, like, what would my life have looked like if it had not been for Clint inviting me uh, to church that Wednesday night, and I have no clue. Um, so, but it's, it's just good to be here. So we're going to be in Matthew 14 uh, today, chapters, uh, chapter 14, verse 22 to 23. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. We're going to be talking about Peter walking on water today, um, and then not walking on water. Uh, so 14, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. <clears throat> And we'll start reading. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat to go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Powerful words. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray before we move forward. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what it means to this community. Lord, thank you for the people here. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, mostly thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice. And Lord, thank you for just your patience with us. Thank you for, for loving us. Lord, thank you for being so merciful towards us. Lord, and mostly th- thank you for, for never giving up on us. Lord, we love you, and we just ask that you would, you would give us a fresh word today, um, that you would help us as we go out into our different places in the community to be a light. Um, we pray that these words would sink deeply into our hearts. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. So, um, what I want to do uh, is, uh, is try to grasp a couple of things out of this passage. There's, there's five things that I want to share and then, then, then kind of a question at the end to kind of wrap it up and, and, and apply it. Um, the setting, um, it's, a, it's a tough day. When we read this passage, it's easy to uh, glance past what's been going on. So we have to remember that just a couple moments ago, there was this huge miracle with some fishes and some loaves, and they fed 5,000 people, right? So huge, huge win. Um, everyone's excited. I, I don't know about you, but if I see that with my own eyes, 
all of a sudden I'm getting excited. Like, I can follow this Jesus. I can trust him. And uh, this isn't the first, you know, thing that they've done together. But, but this is the day, you know, that that happened. Um, not only that, just before that, uh, we see in verses uh, just prior that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Okay, so talk about an emotionally engaging and trying day. Um, we see Jesus and his disciples, uh, my guess, they're exhausted, right? They've been going all day long. And, um, and so then at the end of the day, I don't know if you're like me, but when you have a, a long, like hard day like that, my whole goal is to get home and to watch some Netflix, right? And to eat some like something really bad for me. And, and so like you're like, surprise, um, the, uh, the, the deal is, is that when sometimes we get called into things when we're most exhausted. Sometimes we get called into things when we, when we don't have the energy. And, and we struggle because we feel like maybe we need to kind of muster something up in ourselves um, to, to make that happen. And I want to just remind us today, it's, it's not us, it's, it's Jesus. And so it's an emotionally engaging day. You see first that he, he made them um, get into the boat. He sends them, um, the first thing that I want to talk about, he just, he sends them into the storm. Okay, so Jesus, who's fully God but also fully man, uh, is up on the mountain praying, sending them into the storm. My guess is, and, and, and I don't know kind of theologically what to do with this here, but, but he sends them into the storm. Okay, and in Jewish imagination, the ocean, like the water, uh, the water areas, uh, you know, kind of represented chaos, um, so thinking, thinking about the idea of Jonah when he ran from his calling um, to go to the people of Nineveh, he uh, runs to the ocean, right, representing chaos, gets swallowed up in an ocean creature, which is just the worst, right? Except it's not the worst because he got vomited back up. Like, I'm almost like, just eat me at this point. I'm done, you know? And so he gets vomited back up. And, and, and the Jewish reader at this point is saying like, yeah, yeah, that's as bad as it gets. Right, this chaos idea. And so you see Jesus calling them to, to go out into the storm. And, and maybe what that should, should trigger for us is that sometimes Jesus calls us into chaos. He invites us into some chaos in our lives. The disciples would have understood, you know, that this was tough. And a guy like Peter, who's a fisherman, this is nothing new to him. But I can't, I can't imagine he was excited about it. You know what I mean? Because there's smooth sailing and there's rough sailing. I mean, if you're going to take one or the other, it might as well be smooth. Um, but, but the idea that he sent them was a big deal. He was literally calling them into chaos. The second thing that we see here is just that he was with them the entire time. Now, you're thinking like, yes, he was, he was apart from them because he was praying. Um, but I can't imagine that maybe a part of his prayer time wasn't praying for them. You know what I mean? And, and obviously, God had a plan in this. So he, 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 Jesus goes up to pray, and then he sends them across the waters and, and what's interesting, really, is if you read, because this account is in Matthew, Mark, and John, and one of the other accounts says that Jesus actually meant to pass them by, which is weird. It kind of, if you just do a surface-level reading of one of these, you're like, okay, Jesus came out to rescue him. He meant to, pa- he intended to keep going, and it was their call, right, like to, 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 to get rescued, basically, for help, um, because you then see that the wind ceased when he got in the boat. But he comes to them. And I just think that maybe it would help us if we realize that in moments when God is calling you to step out, and it may not be that God is calling you to be a missionary or a, or a church planner or to do something crazy like that, but maybe something as simple as talking to a neighbor or a fellow friend or a student or a family member, something like that, 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 that God isn't with you is a wrong thought, right? Like, 
that God has promised to be with us. In fact, his words, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but these words mean something so strongly to me. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In other words, his presence should mean something great to us, right? We're not going without him. Um, that, that's what gives me the opportunity to take my family across the, wor- across the nation, across the world, <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and plant a church. Now, I, I will be honest with you. Um, you know, some of our family members are kind of like, so do you have a job lined up? And I was kind of like, it's not like that. Like, this is our job, to walk away from a salary and not have one anymore. You know, to have support that we depend on. And they're like, <laughs> this is funny. Like, if, if you have kids... And you have parents that no longer care about you, but they care about your kids now more than you. You understand where this is coming from? But it's like, so you're taking my babies. <laughs> and it's like, as soon as the accentuated my babies comes out, I'm like, I'm just, I'm in trouble. I'll just sit down and ride this one out, you know? But the thing is, is that God has promised to go with us. He's promised to go with us. He says, take courage. It is I. He came to them walking on the sea. He was praying for them. And we'll kind of come back to this element a little bit later. The third thing that I want to point out is that Jesus invites Peter to step into a miracle. And this is kind of the part where, where we really get into the meat of the passage, right? Jesus calls Peter to step into a miracle. And I believe that he's calling you to step into a miracle. Or like as we talked about earlier, a calling, you know. Um, and, and maybe those two kind of collide a little bit. But in this moment, this was part of Peter's calling, was it not? Um, to just to trust Jesus and to do the work of Jesus because you have to ask yourself, what's the point of this miracle anyways? Because in kids' ministry, when I was told this story, in my mind I'm thinking, I get to walk on the water so that I can brag to my friends that I walked on water, right? Not the point, right? You, you got this, you know, kids' ministry mentality. And we understand now that maybe Jesus was helping them understand that they could trust him later. Right? Because you're not going to see me face to face. But remember, you walked on water. And exactly how many other people have done that? Yeah, you're it. You're it. So you can trust me, right? When a man dies and then rises again, walks out of that grave, you can trust that man. Right? And so he walks on water. He invites Peter to step into the miracle. And there's no earthly way that Peter survives this moment. Right? Isn't that kind of crazy thinking about it? Jesus called Peter to do something dangerous, right? It may, don't raise your hand, but maybe some of us grew up with the teaching that, like, when you become a Christian, everything gets easier, right, or more sugary, or, you know, like, there's no disease, and there's no hurt, and there's no pain. Um, no one walks out on you. That's not the case, right? There is chaos, but you know what? We find Jesus as our peace in that moment of chaos. We have to understand that there is chaos in this world. My theology lends me to believe that this earth is, is not getting any better. In fact, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until Jesus kind of starts to wrap things up, right? Um, but I don't think that when we get saved, when we step out, that maybe things are going to get easier. I think we just need to understand that when God is calling us to step out, that he's going to be right there for us. So he calls Peter to step out. There's no earthly way that he survives this moment. And you have to, in this moment, wherever it is that God has you stepping out, you have to stop uh, with the idea that I can trust this ground because, like, I I can trust this ground. Because Jesus called him to step onto something that for most of us is untrustworthy. Like, for instance, if I were to 
do this right here, we all know what's going to happen. And I'm not going to be that guy, by the way, um, that demonstrates this. I'm just going to let you imagine for my own family's sake. I've got a family to support. So it's kind of like that moment in the Indiana Jones movie where, like, he's, he's testing with, you know, he can't make the jump, he can't make the leap, and he's, he's supposed to take, like, the leap of faith, and we see that bridge is there or whatever. But um, you have to understand that when Jesus was calling Peter to step out onto the waves, that there was no earthly way that he was going to stand. And so you have to trust. When Jesus asks you to do something that's impossible, when Jesus commands you to do something that's impossible, it's trustworthy. So you can stand on your own understanding of what's true, or you can stand on what Jesus says is true. So, so what is my understanding of what's true? Um, don't walk away from a salary, right? That, that's, that's, that's stupid. That's stupid. And, and I've been told that. Um, I, I had a friend say, I just don't think it's going to go all that good for you. I'm like, thanks. Appreciate that, bro. <laughs> Appreciate that. And so you've got this idea that um, when we sing songs like Standing on the Promises, right? Standing on the Promises of God, the promises of God are more trustworthy than this stage, right? The standing, standing on the promises of God, we can do that more than we can um, go to work, make our money, and trust our own ability to provide for ourselves, Right? We have hands that were given to us by God that we work with. God wants to take those hands away, they're gone. We stand on the promises of God, not our own understanding of what's right. And so when Peter was called out, it's not all that crazy. It's not all that crazy because Jesus commanded him. And by the way, in the original language, when he says, command me to come out, um, there's that feeling and this sense in the word that, that it's a command of a king. And so Peter knew who he was talking to. He was talking to the almighty king, Jesus. And so he gets commanded to come out. He walks on the water. You see that he falls. And, uh, and we're really good, by the way, as preachers, as, as just beating the heck out of Peter, like, oh, stupid Peter. You know, can't wait to just, you know, razz him when I get up to heaven. I'm like, there were 11 other guys in the boat. You know? It's kind of like when a guy gets made fun of because he goes to ask a girl for a number and he gets turned down. All his friends are like, yo! You know? And you're like, how many girls have you asked for their number? And they're like, I'll be over here, you know, I'll just, I'm done, I'm all right, you know. And so like Peter steps out, on, steps out of the boat and experiences that, but he's the only one. And I just think that maybe we need to remember that when we're tempted to trust in our own understanding of what's true, um, whether that's in a job, right, like that you have to do business in such a way that's, that's maybe uh, lacking some morality or some character so that you can make more money or so that you can get that sale, and, and, and maybe you sense that you have to do things at your job that would go against what Scripture says because that's the way business gets done. And I would challenge you to look at the principles of Scripture and to say that I can lean on those because they're trustworthy because I'm standing on the promises of God. Or maybe if it's a neighbor that God is calling you to reach out to or a family member or a friend or something like that, and you're just, man, if I go out to them, if I start sharing words of hope, uh, that's not going to work, especially if I do it at work. That's not okay. I could get in trouble for that. Standing on the promises of God. God calls you to do it. You do it, right? You do what the scripture says. You do what God calls you to do because he's trustworthy. When he commands you, he's king, right? We're not. We're not. We need to remind ourselves of that on a daily basis. I need to look myself in the mirror every morning and say, I'm not king, I'm not Lord, and I'm certainly not savior. He is I'll go with what he says is true because it's trustworthy. So, so we, see, we see that the foundations, right, when Jesus would say, 
you have solid ground and then you have this other stuff that your, your house will fall. You just have to decide today which, which ground are you building your house on, which ground are you building your life on. You know, because if you decide now that Jesus is Lord, that should change some things about your decisions. And your decisions are kind of pre-made, aren't they? Jesus is Lord. When you have an opportunity to give, you give. Because generosity is a value in the kingdom of God. Right? And when it comes time to reach out and help, you help. Because that's what Jesus did. Right? Your decisions are pre-made for you if you understand that Jesus is Lord. And that he's king. Right? Remember this. He just did the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And so, yes, when you're in this moment where you're on a field and the sun is shining and you got all these people, which, by the way, that story is just kind of ludicrous to me because, like, five to 20,000 people, depending on the women and the children that were there, all forgot dinner. All forgot dinner. Right? I don't forget dinner. I have not eaten lunch, and I'm thinking about where I'm going to eat dinner tonight. Right? That's, that's just kind of my life. They just had this moment where they saw Jesus do an outright miracle, not like a, oh, I could see where he did that. He kind of like Chris Angeled that one. No, he did a miracle. <laughs> right? He did a miracle. And if you read the other accounts, there are disciples that are still like, mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like 15,000 people got fed. So you have these moments where, where there's this, this um, crowd, this stadium full of people that get fed, and then you've got the storm. And isn't it funny how we forget what happened in the past, what Jesus did in the past, the promises that he made in Scripture, but also how he worked in our lives specifically in the past, and we get called to step out over here, and it's all like, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Because God has done great things in the past, we ought to be able to trust him in the future. Right? So we see that when Peter falls, and like I said, man, we, we, we do Peter a in injustice. We, we beat the heck out of Peter, and, and he falls. But we see that the fourth thing is, is that Jesus immediately rescues Peter. Immediately. That word means something great to me. Because Peter was not in the ocean long. Now, if you watch the Bible miniseries version of this story, I watched it the other day just prepping. There's this moment where Peter's walking out. He sees the waves. He sinks. And then, before he gets rescued... You have this slow tone from that Jesus who doesn't look like the real Jesus, right? The British one, the white one. <laughs> you see, you hear him say, Peter, oh, you of little, f-. and I'm like, I'm in some water, bro. I need some help, right? Help me now. And so I always read the story, right? And maybe we have different perspectives, but I always read the story like he reaches and grabs him. He's kind of like holding him right here because he's still on the water and, you know, and he's like, you know, you have little faith. And you have to kind of understand. Um, and if you're a parent, I guess you understand this. Um, my guess is that Jesus wasn't like super ticked. I think he just understood, you know. So like when I give my kid his own silverware for the first time, our two-year-old, we're trying to do this thing where he's like growing up. And so like we'll give him rice. We're trying to give him rice to eat with like a, a spoon. Easy, right? It's terrible. There's rice everywhere. You know what I mean? And it's not like I'm like, Caden, smack him on the back of the head. What's your problem? <laughs> Figure it out, dude. You know? It's like, yeah, you're two. You know? Like, I understand. And you know what, Peter? You saw the waves. I'm not surprised. And here's the thing. I, I don't necessarily think, and I'm not God, so I can't make this statement, you know, for sure up here. But 
I don't necessarily think that when God calls you out to something big, that he's all that mad when you have a little moment of a failure. Because he's gracious and he's good. And you see his character throughout scripture. Why all of a sudden do we think, you know, you get this ugly, mean God, you know, when, when Peter steps out to do something great. I don't know. So he says, of you, oh, you of little faith, he rescues him. Faith is kind of a funny thing because I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, so, so did he lack faith, right? Did he, did he pay attention to the waves too much? And, I, and I, I think he did. Let's just be honest. He paid attention to his circumstance more than he did to his Savior. And that was the true problem. It's when we look at the waves, when we give the waves and their power more credit than we give to the power of Jesus. That's when we get into some trouble. And so faith is not necessarily, by the way, the absence of fear. You're never going to lack fear. Like fear is always going to be a constant companion as long as you're stepping out in faith for Jesus. Fear and doubt are always going to be there. It's just you understand that faith in Jesus is greater than your enemies, your obstacles, your fears. That's when your faith moves you to step out. That's when you realize that like God is calling me to do something. I can put my faith and trust in that. Right? I can put my faith and trust in that. Why? Because I can put my faith and trust in Jesus. He is greater. Not because my faith is greater, by the way. It's the object of my faith. It's not my faith. I would fail every day, every minute, if that were the case. It's all about Jesus. It's not about mustering some strength up. It's about understanding that Jesus is greater. So the fifth thing that I want to share with you is just that Jesus challenges us to trust his word when all we see are waves. And sometimes we get this mistaken idea that because there are waves, that means that Jesus is not present. And that's wrong, right? Because Jesus has promised to go with us. He's promised to go with us. He's promised to be with us. He's promised to equip us and to comfort us and also convict us when we get out of line, which we need. But he's been there with us the whole way through. And so when we have a hard time taking our eyes, eyes off the waves, yeah, we do need a little bit of a pride check, but he's right there with us. And so I want to make sure that we understand that this, um, this sermon is less about um, your storms, though. This is not about how to weather storms. This is about your calling. Okay? Because when you focus on the waves, when you focus on the storm, you never will perceive your calling. You have to put your eyes on Jesus. Remember, they thought he was a ghost, right? So who's the first person to recognize that he wasn't a ghost? Think about this. Remember when he uh, walked out of the tomb and he's walking around meeting different people and they don't recognize him right all of a sudden, right? Like the gardener. They thought he was the gardener, you know? Um, Who recognizes him first? Here's another question. Who's the one who gets to step out onto the water? It's Peter. I can only imagine that Peter was looking for him. Right? He was looking for God to do something. He was close enough to recognize his whisper, not just his scream. Right? And so his proximity made a difference. Peter was the one who also, by the way, got called to preach a pretty important message in Acts 2. It was all birthed in failure. But this message isn't so much about failure, it's about God's faithfulness. Think about it this way. God calls you into something great. Um, I brought, I brought in, any Hunger Games fans in here? Is it okay to be a guy and a Hunger Games fan? Is that? All right, cool. Because I always am a little nervous saying that out loud, just for the record. I mean, it's not Twilight. I'm not that, never mind. Um, so Katniss, I've got a picture of Katniss 
who has been my hero of late. You see this? This is out of the first movie, right when she's in that pod and she's talking to Cinna. Uh, uh, <laughs> I always want to call him his real name. Um, so she, she's in the pod, and this is the moment right when she hears 20 seconds, and she realizes it's about to go down, Right? And I don't know what she was thinking in this moment. My guess is his death is probably going to come for her because other people are trying, you know. So she's afraid. Like, this is the moment right before she's, she's elevated into that place where, like, it's game on. And that's the way we look, right? When we're called out into something great, we're fearful. And we know that God is good, but we're fearful. Now, let me show you another picture, okay? So this is the picture after the games are over, um, and, like, she's smiling, right? Because she done killed everybody else. <laughs> she's like, I'm good. I'm here, you know. Um, spoiler alert, it's not all over. Um, but she's actually a vampire. Sorry. Um, just kidding. So you see in this moment, after the games are over, it's all finished. And, right, she has in her mind, like, this picture, it's done. For the rest of my life, right, she gets to, she gets to like, kind of rest. And she's got all this money and she's got all this fame. And so, um, now, this is a little bit of stretch. I'm kind of stretching from the, the movie. But here's, here's what I think. This is kind of where we're at. We get so afraid before, and we're so relaxed after when Jesus created us for good works beforehand. Right? He's created us for those to walk in. Ephesians 2.10, he's created us for good works. And we just need to have this mindset on the front end. Why? Because he's gone before us, and he's equipping us, and he's with us, and he's taking care of us. And even if we fail, he's right there close enough to reach and grab us back up. Like, we need to have this mindset to start. So here's my last question I want to ask you. Is what is Jesus calling you into today? Hope you didn't think that you could come to this church and hear this sermon and not get away with some application because it is time to make it real right now. What is Jesus calling you to? Whether that's a lifelong calling or maybe it's like a this week call. Maybe it's a this afternoon calling. Maybe you've got a phone call to make, right? Maybe you need to say, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to reconcile with somebody. Maybe, maybe for the first time, because here's what I'm guilty of. I'm guilty of uh, 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 living in a neighborhood for the last 10 years where I, I didn't really care to get to know my neighbors. But I really wanted this, like, huge youth ministry, and I wanted to impact the city. But when I went home, it was like, I'm off. I'm off. So I would hit the, the garage door long enough for my car to get in, and I'd hit it back down. And if you come knocking on my door, I'm not answering. Like, just a total Grinch right? And God was calling me to just love your neighbors. I'm not talking about go preach Pentecost in your front lawn. I'm just saying like, go say hi, right? Be a source of encouragement and hope to them. And so unfortunately, it took me a lot to get that, but I started getting that. God started giving us a hope and a, uh, and, a, and, a, and a desire for presence in our neighborhood so that when it came time to plant a church, we were used to that. We've landed in this neighborhood that we didn't even pick. Um, we just, we needed a house. All of our options were off the table at this point. Two weeks out from moving and God gives us a house that we've never seen before and we're like, we need a house. All right. So we committed to it. We land in this neighborhood where all these people are really honestly like ripe for the harvest. They're all hanging out every night, and we have the opportunity to love them, all because of what Jesus did 
in the past personally. What I'm trying to say to you is, is it wasn't until I had those personal moments with Jesus where he was calling me out like as a believer, as a person, not in front of a crowd, but like when I would walk around. For me, it's late night prayer walks in my neighborhood. I'm just asking Jesus to give me power for the next day, provision for the next day. And when I had those moments walking around with Jesus, what happened was, is he started, yes, equipping me and reminding me that he was close, but calling me into new callings. And it was that point where God started really doing something different in my life. My challenge to you is to, yes, search for your calling. Listen to what Jesus says to you to look for your calling, but you've got to press into Jesus. That's the only way this happens. You can't muster it up. You can't choose it. Um, God will do things in your life to lead you down that path. And if you're afraid like I was, press in to Jesus. My son, my four-year-old, likes to ride his big wheel around the neighborhood. And, um, you know, we had had this neighborhood in Arkansas where basically... um, it was, a, you know, we lived on a corner of a block, and so we'd go this way, and it's pretty much straight, right? There's no hills or anything like that. We'd go this way. There's no hills or anything like that. We'd come around the back end and start going downhill, 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 and then all of a sudden, right before we get to our house, um, there's this uphill. And so he's just excited. He gets on his big wheel. He's expelling all of his energy before he gets around to the hill, and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, I need help. And um, I just remember, like, just kind of, giving him a push and expecting him to pick up the pace and start pedaling but if you have a kid you understand that they really just want to be pushed Um, and so like he didn't want to use his muscles or anything like that he didn't want to use his legs and I'd get mad I'm like pedal pedal he's like daddy I can't I'm like you can't do it you know I'm just again this is where I'm getting mad at him for being a four-year-old so I realized that he wouldn't do it wouldn't do it and one day instead of just giving him a push to see if he'd go out on his own, I just kind of gently placed my hand at his back and didn't even push. And he started pedaling on his own just because it stayed there. See, when his daddy was close, when he knew his daddy was at his back, when he sensed his daddy's presence, he knew that he had more strength. And at the end of the day, yeah, I pushed him a little bit. You know, like I kept helping them go. But see, I, I can't do this life on my own. I can't, I certainly can't plan a church. I, I am, am the least in the ability to go out. I don't like fundraising. I don't like, um, I'm like, I'm not good at starting new things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm seriously afraid of that calling, but it's, but it's Jesus, right? He says, stand on the promises. I promise that if you step out, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. You'll be with me. And I'll be with you, right? The, the, the lyric in Oceans says, um, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Like it's not that somehow we're awesome and we're able to do this on our own. It's that his presence makes a gigantic difference. It is the only reason we're able to do this. So when you are stepping into your calling, we're trying to find out what that is. Guys, I'm asking, I'm encouraging you, I'm, I'm challenging you to press into Jesus. It's got to be that still small voice when it's just you and him. He says, go into your closet, shut the door, 
Pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who's in secret will reward you, right? But don't be challenged to do it in this group. It's not going to happen in this group necessarily. It's going to be that time where it's you and Him, and it's that intimate relationship where that starts to build your understanding of your calling. Do it by yourself, and you'll focus on the waves. Focus in on Jesus and who He is and what He promises, and you'll be good. Why? Because He's a good daddy. He says, take courage, because it's I. Don't be afraid. He's good. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this. And, and knowing the nature of the devil, he wants, to, he wants us to run away from our calling. He wants to distract us from our calling. Maybe he'll do just enough today get us focused on the waves, but God, we ask you to continually pull us in, Lord, so that we can press into you, Lord, so we can understand our calling, Lord, so that we can keep our eyes above the waves and focused in on you. God, there's, there's people in here that you are calling right now to something big. There's people in here that you are calling to, to have a conversation with someone or to step out or, or to walk away from what is normal, what is trustworthy, at least as as we understand it, Lord, but just to put all of our faith in you because you're trustworthy and your promises are good because they come from you. Lord, let us throw ourselves in you. Lord, press into you today because you're good and you're trustworthy. In your name I pray. Amen. Those of you that have some work to do with Jesus, now's the time. Um, if you want to talk, uh, pastor's here to talk. Pastor Paul, I'm here to talk. If you, if you just need to spend some time with Jesus here at the altar while we sing, now's the time. But don't dare let this moment go by, right? Don't, don't be the one that's standing in the boat. Because Peter got out. One got out. The 11 stayed in the boat. So let's get after it. Press into Jesus.